1: Yes, it is. And as we head into hour three of our daily three-hour tour, it is a privilege to welcome to the show a first-time guest, Dr. Jeffrey H. Anderson. He has a piece in the uh, August 11th, yesterday's posting of the City Journal, Do Masks Work? A Review of the Evidence. Jeff Anderson has a long-storied career in uh, data and public policy. He's the former director of the Bureau of Justice Statistics and the co-creator of something you may have heard of, Anderson and Hester Rankings, part of the uh, Bowl Championship Series formula. I also know he went to a once-great graduate school. (laughs) Jeff Anderson, welcome to the show.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Seth. Pleasure Uh, to be here. I I should probably clarify for your listeners, I'm I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a a doctor in the sense of... uh, Dr. Joe Biden, you know. I've yes, done. I
1: understand. So if someone's choking at a restaurant and you made a reservation under the name Dr. Anderson, you could say, well, I might be able to help them with the relative uh, merits of life versus death, but I don't... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk a little Kierkegaard as they're passing on, but uh, <laughs> I don't know what, my, much, what, what much more use that doctorate will hold in those conditions, right, Jeff? I, <laughs> right. I say it as a fellow Claremont alum of, um, of yours, Jeff. I, I say say it with love, that uh, you went to a once-great graduate school. I think I'm right about that. In any event, Uh-oh. as a first-time guest, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. How did you grow up? How did you come to be doing what you're doing?
2: Uh, well, I, as you mentioned, I, I went to uh, Claremont, um, studied uh, political philosophy and American government there with uh, under uh, Charles Kessler, editor of the Claremont Review of Books, and uh, you know, Joe Bissett, Mark Blitz, Jim Nichols, a lot of other great... Uh, Professors there. I went taught at the Air Force Academy for a number of years. Taught those those subjects, and I've been in the D.C. area in the, in and out of the government in recent years, and uh, just trying to uh, help promote our founding principles, however I can.
1: Well, there's a founding principle or two you cover really well in your most current City Journal piece. Um, Masks. I'm obsessed with masks, I have to tell you, Jeff, um, because the the studies I have read, and I can cite you as you know them, from the WHO to the CDC to the New England Journal of Medicine to the British Medical Journal, that A, they don't work, and B, when it comes to this obsession of putting them on children, they do more harm than good, and not by a little – um, tell me what your review of the evidence shows, and if I'm all wet, or if maybe I have a point.
2: No, I think you're exactly right, Seth. I mean, I, and you've laid out the two halves of the equation, right? That it's um, the one question is do these do masks work? And that's the that's the scientific question, and that's the subject of the the City Journal piece that uh, that you referenced. And then the other half of the equation is how much harm are we doing with these? masks, regardless of whether they work, what's the cost to society, and uh, um, I recently tackled that in in another piece at the Claremont Review of Books uh, called The Masking of America, and uh, and I think as far as the evidence goes, the scientific evidence is, is pretty clear that the best evidence suggests masks do little to no good in preventing the spread of viruses and might even be counterproductive. Um, and then, in terms of the cost to society, I, I couldn't agree more that the, especially the cost to children is is tremendous. And uh, the smaller the child, the 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 more damage we're doing.
1: What explains this aggressive effort, this aggressive attempt to mask children at all costs? There was some. I'll let you answer it, but let me just let me just gild that lily with this quote from someone on Twitter. I don't know, but. I love this line, and I'll share it with you. We regard any conceivable harm from COVID as presumptively real and worth mitigating, no matter how speculative. But any conceivable harm from our mitigation is presumptively illusory and not worth worrying about, no matter how concrete. Why is, in other words, why is there some form of seeming credibility to those who want children to mask and we, who have objections based on educational, emotional, psychological, and other kinds of harms to the children, physical, including, why are we considered troglodytes all of a
2: sudden that's yeah, a great question uh, you know the what people choose to focus on um, and I would say this is especially true on the left, is it's always a, a moving target. You know, in, in one context, all the emphasis is on mental health.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, in another, all of it is on physical health. Mm-hmm. And um, you never know what they're going to pick and choose. I, I don't think there's any question that the masks are extraordinarily harmful to children. I mean, I, think, I think there's an enormous, enormous cost to, to human society uh, for adults as well,
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, not being able to see people's faces, to pretend that not seeing facial expressions doesn't matter much, I think, is uh, to have a very impoverished view of human interaction. Um, everyone knows the masks are horribly uncomfortable and they're unhygienic, um, and they, you know, and they and they obscure our uniqueness as human beings. That we are, uh, we're not just a bunch of faceless, um, you know, stormtroopers or whatever. We are uh, we're unique individuals with unique, God-given, unalienable rights, and and the way we recognize someone as a unique individual is by primarily by his or her face. So I think all of this is these are very high prices to pay, but for children it's worse because they're they're learning, they're developing their a lot of what they are learning as far as how to communicate is coming from facial expressions or in in this context not coming from facial expressions, like babies who are not able to see the faces of the people around them or, or or children whose own faces are covered and can't see the faces of people around them. And we're we're really stifling their development, and we're we're almost teaching them to be like uh, in in real life, almost like they are on are are one day going to be on social media, or some of them already are, where you don't really have real interaction with people on social media, and now in real life we won't really have real interaction with people. We'll, we'll obscure part of ourselves. Oh, that's
1: a great point. The the so in other words, part of the use the phrase you want anonymity while you get to hide behind in social media is now being brought actually into real life i i I think there is something to that too jeff we're talking to jeffrey anderson his piece in city journal do masks work can i can i proffer another thing i've had a hard time articulating it exactly right maybe you can appreciate what i'm saying too about this quest for masking there's something about it to me jeff that makes us promote that we're a sick society, that we are a sick and failing society. The idea that all of us are sick and thus wear masks, that's the point of a mask, remember, yeah, right? Yeah. I say that to the right. audience. It's to prevent a sick person from transmitting or a diseased person from transmitting. This is not a sick country and I'm not a sick person. Why do I have to give in to that?
2: Yeah, it, it suggests there's an investment there's in it,
1: people thinking America is sick. That's That's what I'm trying to say, I guess.
2: Right, right. I mean, it makes us look weak, physically weak, if we're all sick, or really um, psychologically weak. Uh, it's uh, it doesn't exactly. It's almost a celebration of um, of something close to cowardice to uh, to uh, to to promote to to be so risk averse to throw everything else aside, even the ability to meet with each other face to face. Um, just just to try to to prevent the effects of of this virus, which we all know that this you know, back to the question about children, we all know that this virus is not uh, something that the typical, that, that mostly afflicts children. It's, it mostly afflicts those who are, who are much older, people who are heavier, people who have existing conditions, usually people who are, who are, have at least two of those three things. And uh, the CDC's own stats show that more than 99.9% of the deaths from COVID-19 have been of adults. And yet we've got these poor kids being masked in schools and being, you know, ludicrously out playing in on hot summer days and sports what have you with masks on their faces Uh, but I think it definitely shows uh, a sickness that goes beyond um, beyond the physical and I I don't know about you Seth but I feel like a lot of the people who are so enthusiastic about the masks really just need to sit down and watch uh, a marathon run of of Westerns and, and watch people who actually encounter Real hardships and, and how they deal with them.
1: Yeah, a little bit of that, a little bit of uh, a little bit of that w- would probably go a long way, and so too would a little honesty when it comes to following the science. I made the point earlier, uh, Jeff, and I, 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 as far as I know, I'm right. I, I, I'm willing to be corrected. But for all of those that that think the CDC rests atop Mount Olympus or that Anthony Fauci does and that we follow the science, read, follow CDC, Anthony Fauci, name me one thing they've said about COVID that has held for two months. No, really. I mean, beginning with masks, (laughs) beginning with masks. Name me one thing they've said that has held true for two months. You can't.
2: Yeah. No, they've kind of been all over the place, although they, once they got a taste for the masks, yep. I mean, at first in March of 2020, they said, don't wear masks. And then in April of 2020, they said, oh, you, you got to wear a mask. And ever since then, they've been quite enthusiastic about the masks. They've been willing to let up on the reins a little bit here and there, but now they're you know pretty enthusiastically back at it. And um, I, the, they I think it's a crucial point that, and you've kind of alluded to this already, that they don't really have science on their side. You know, we, we count on the CDC to be to be telling us about the best available science, but the best available science reflects would reflect guidance much closer to what they said in March of 2020, which is don't wear masks, mm-hmm. that, than what they've said since. The, and the science, if you really look at it, and I and I take a deep dive into the medical mm-hmm. research in the in the City Journal piece. Do masks work? And their randomized control trials are the Are the gold standard of medical research because, as the name suggests, randomized control trials. People are randomly put into a group, like a group that wears masks, and another group that's a control group that doesn't wear masks, and you can see over time. All right, does this work or not? It allows you to isolate that variable and to see. Yeah, column A
1: do better than column B with the same problem. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And this is you know this is the recognized gold standard in medical research. Observational studies are uh, much more like sociology. They don't have a control group. They just sort of observe what's going on in society. It's very hard to see cause and effect, the, the effect of one particular variable. They're very easy to politicize and to and, and they're conducive to finding kind of what you want to find. And the CDC is relying entirely on these observational studies mm-hmm. that have been done in the politicized COVID era, and they're ignoring these vastly superior randomized control trials wh- when the randomized control trials show that uh, or at least strongly suggest the masks have little to no benefit and might even be counterproductive none, none of them show a direct benefit no none of them do except for one that had a that contradicted itself yeah. uh, within the um but that i mean yeah there was there was one study that uh that, that showed that the you know, they, they did find some evidence the mass work that was statistically significant, but then it was based on, um, quote-unquote, subjective fever. You didn't, they didn't even take people's temperatures, and when they did lab results, they found different results. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to get too far in the, in the weeds for your listeners. But um, the randomized control trials are, are rather clear in not supporting the efficacy of masks. There's just nothing there to suggest that they work and there are some statistically significant findings that suggest that they're they actually detract from like good hand hygiene or 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 what have you and especially the cloth masks. and, and this is whatever the type of mask but it's probably more so the cloth ones the, the way they can be counterproductive is that the virus gets on the mask and then people start touching the mask and then they touch other things their own eyes oh there people, there, there, there is things.
1: a model for how not to handle a mask in our country and it's joe biden the way he handles his mask every time is a violation of CDC guidance, on, off, handling, on the podium, not on the podium, on his face, touching it, moving it, handing it to governor's children to throw and away. And that's
2: probably an example of a mask being counterproductive. Exactly. There was a exactly. fo- photo circulated the other day of Governor Newsom in California wearing his mask below his nose yeah, sure. uh, and talking to a bunch of poor mask school children. And, and like three of the six kids are have their fingers all over their masks. It's just a... You know, a picture tells a thousand words. Moment of of how masks can actually be counterproductive. So we're not only really doing a great deal of harm with them, but we're we may be undermining ourselves just in terms of reducing the spread of the virus.
1: Well, Jeff, it's uh, it's great to have this piece. It's great to make uh, make uh, a debut appearance of yours here uh, with you. I hope it can be a down payment for many more returns.
2: Uh, sounds good, Seth. One last
1: question: What was your dissertation on?
2: It was on uh, the Founders' Thoughts on the Proper Scope of Judicial Power. Well,
1: you may I- need to write that up again, too, Jeff. <laughs> <You> may need <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Jeffrey H. Anderson. Thank you, sir. Godspeed. Let's stay in touch, yes?
2: Thank you, Seth. God yeah, bless. Uh, let's do so. Thank let's you. do so.
1: I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Michael's in Phoenix. Hello, Michael.
3: Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm
1: well, sir. How about yourself?
3: I'm I'm good. I'm I'm just uh, I I heard the today in Arizona nine thousand new cases and six deaths. And my you know prayers go out to all the families of people who lost someone. But when you do the math on that, it's like point zero zero three percent mortality
1: how many um, uh, how many times have you heard in the last two weeks Michael that Florida's the real problem
3: yeah, I, yeah, I, a bunch
1: yeah you can't ignore it right you can't escape the fact yeah. that Ron DeSantis and Florida are killing Americans um, yeah right I, I before the show want, started I looked up date deaths from covid yesterday because they don't have them for today yet Florida's at four. Arizona's at 6 as you pointed out that's what made me think of it. New well, Yorks New York's at 40. Now Florida yeah. has something like 3 million more people than New York. Florida's actually I don't know if people realize that Florida's actually a bigger population wise a bigger state than New York. Florida had yeah. 4 COVID deaths yesterday. New York had 40. Why is the governor of Florida in the nation's crosshairs?
3: I because he's Ron DeSantis. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's that's and, why. And, and, yeah.
1: and, and, and if it was Ron DeSantis, parentheses D, close parentheses, he wouldn't be in the news.
3: That's true. Okay. But what I'm wondering is, is the CDC, with all these mask recommendations and people trying to make mask mandates and to, to curb this, this virus, are they trying to make people believe that we could actually achieve zero mortality? It's a great point. I
1: mean, it's a great question. And I'll tell you why um I, you know, I, I let's let's start with the common fact that there's a lot of things in this country that kill people. Uh COVID isn't even the first cause of leading cause of death in America. It's no, not even the second.
3: And, and the flu the flu doesn't even have zero mortality. No,
1: no that's right. I mean we lose a lot of people to heart disease, cancer Uh, Injuries, strokes, a lot of things. Uh, But obesity, let's just talk about obesity for a second. We know that over 70% of COVID hospitalizations and deaths come from the population that has problems with obesity. What is being done about that? And does the CDC care about those COVID deaths or the deaths that? took place because people were obese before 2020 no they do not they don't well, care not about mandating that
3: eating diets either we have a disease
1: that eats lungs that's what covid does we have a CDC that was eminently silent on states that were passing laws giving with with the votes of 18 year olds to make more available a product That is as dangerous to the lungs and dangerous to the brain as cigarettes. There is no consistency at all to what the CDC cares about or what our public health officials care about. As my previous guest said, some days it's mental health and some days it ain't. Let me let me hold you for a minute, Michael, because I had a short segment and and I have to take a hard break here for the news. I have a lot more to discuss with you on this and a lot more to say about it, too. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Portions of the Seth Liebsten Show are brought to you by Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. Ignore the heating part for right now, but for all your air conditioning and plumbing needs, give Cool Touch a call. It's the company I use. I used them, or at least a friend of mine did this very week. Loved them. Called them on. Monday, they fixed the air conditioning unit. Tuesday morning, just as they said they would. Fantastic customer service. It's the kind of company you would create if you could create your own kind of small business. Cool Touch is that kind of company. They know you. They're honest. They're great. And for all your air conditioning or plumbing needs, they are there for you 24-7. You got it. Even on weekends. They have a... New air conditioning product as well, a new air conditioning unit that operates as if it's a light switch with a dimmer so your air conditioning unit doesn't have to continually surge and put a huge drag on your power bill to turn on and off and maintain your temperature. It gives you the most comfortable living environment and the biggest savings on your utility bills, and they have a $2,000 rebate on that system. But whether it's that system or any other, or an inspection or repair, cool Touch is the company to call You can call them at 623-734-1932 or visit them online at CoolTouchAC.com. That's CoolTouchAC.com. I was talking with Michael. Michael, you still there here in Phoenix? Michael, do I still have you? Michael, are you there? Well, let me know if you come back, Michael. Give us a call back because I think you had more to say or talk about. I know I did. When you asked, does the CDC think we'll reach zero mortality? There was an interesting piece today. I I, I don't know what you do with it, In, of all places, the Washington Post. Again, not an op-ed, written by one, two, three, four, five. I don't know why these new, how these newspapers now are doing stories with three, four, and five reporters. I don't get how they do it, but they are, and fine. Um, it's the Washington Post. These are all science reporters. One, two, three, four, five of them. Uh, and here's the headline Spread of Delta variant ignites COVID hot spots in highly vaccinated parts of the U.S. Let me try that again for you. Spread of the Delta variant ignites COVID hot spots in highly vaccinated parts of the U.S. You got that? So remember how for about three weeks we were beating up on the states that are less mandatory when it comes to mediation? States like Florida, states like South Dakota, states like Texas, states like Arizona, where variations of executive orders and legislation have banned the mandate to wear masks or to show proof of vaccine thus far remember when we were beating up on those places turns out this headline the delta variant is igniting in this hot spots with the highly most highly vaccinated parts of the united states let me read you some of this story two-thirds of americans in highly vaccinated counties now live in hot spots in other words these hot spots have a zero to do with the policies of DeSantis or Ducey or Noam or any of these other troglodytic states. Texas, Governor Abbott, has nothing to do with that. Two thirds of Americans in highly vaccinated counties now live in corona. The hot spots are in highly vaccinated counties, according to an analysis by the Washington Post as outbreaks of the highly transmissible delta virus the delta variant ignite in more populated and immunized areas how do you like that what do you do with that now what do you do with that now the crisis the hot spots are in the most highly vaccinated counties well some will say it's no surprise we've been told now that the vaccine doesn't keep you from getting COVID. And we are now told the vaccine doesn't keep you from transmitting COVID. When you marry the notion that the vaccine doesn't prevent you from transmitting COVID to the science we discussed with Jeff Anderson, that the mask doesn't prevent the transmission of COVID, Do you wonder sometimes if maybe the best thing to do, the best thing to do, is to ignore the CDC? Because they, I'll repeat it, haven't given a piece of advice yet that has stood the test of 60 days. Never mind whatever number of days to slow the spread. I'm counting the days that the CDC can stay consistent. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's that time of year. The sun is scorching and our unpredictable monsoon season is back. And that means you need to think about your roof. And when you think about your roof, I want you to think about Trades Unlimited. The damage being done to your roof is constant. Heat, wind, rain, even dust bring daily challenges to your roof and over time cause significant damage as a homeowner you likely don't even know about. If your roof is 15 years or older, The underlayment must be checked now because it dries out, cracks, and becomes susceptible to all sorts of leaks. Some you see, some you don't. Maybe for some of you, it's time to consider a foam roof. For those who have a flat roof, the benefits of foam are insulation from heat, noise, and, of course, leaks. If you have a foam roof that's five years or older older, it's time to have it inspected and recoated. Otherwise, it'll disintegrate. Give Trades Unlimited a call at 480-483-1775 for all your roofing needs, repair, inspection, replacement. That's 480-483-1775 or visit them online at TradesUnlimited.com. That's TradesUnlimited.com. Hello, Renee.
4: Hi, how are you? I'm
1: well. How are you?
4: I'm awesome. Uh, <laughs> still live in America. Yes. And I know we're all trying to keep our America, but um
1: it's still here really it's still to, here the I, fight the fight has gotten harder but we're still here
4: yes we are um and we are fighting we're not gonna you stop you bet um so my question really is Is they keep talking about all this stuff and i'm not seeing proof of anything other than what they say a lot it doesn't seem to be what the numbers are showing, and so it's almost getting to a point where you don't trust anything they say right, so whether if the if the jabs or vaccines or whatever they want to call them are really vaccines, and if they really help, that's great. but we don't even know what to believe anymore and the, uh, the one of the biggest questions I had was, okay, they're saying, oh, it's the delta variant and oh, this shot it, the old or the uh, actual vaccine. You know, it just makes it so that your symptoms aren't as bad for the Delta variant. or Well, as Joe Biden said three weeks ago,
1: three weeks ago, Joe Biden at a CNN town hall said, if you get the vaccine, you won't get sick, you won't die. He said that specifically. Right. It's not true. He should be banned from social media.
4: Yes, yes, yes. I don't. And what they say and what they do are so different. I don't see anybody. That is in any place of elitism, whether it's our ruling class, if it's our our, uh, the people who are in entertainment. Nobody seems to be taking this serious because I don't see Obama and all his, what, 400 and some people wearing masks at that gathering. You know, in New York um, City,
1: in New York City, where they are now going to require proof of vaccination before you can go into a restaurant or gym in New York City. The I, yeah. the African-American or black population, 70% of it is unvaccinated.
4: I think that's the same with Arkansas because they're having a, a little surge. It's which a problem is in a lot of states with big African-American
1: beginning. populations. Right, and there's a right. lot of reasons for this, historical and cultural. And it, whatever it is, they exist. Is there right. one person in America who might be able to maybe move that dial in that community? Yeah. There is, and he just had a maskless party with five hundred people smiling and right. shouting, and uh, promoting cheek to jowl, cheek to jowl interactions with no proof of vaccines.
4: Right. So that just shows you right there that this isn't serious. This is all political. Of course, it's the not serious. The other thing is, my biggest question though is, are they actually testing Delta now? That I mean. They keep saying, oh, this is because of the Delta variant. I don't believe that because I don't think any of our, what do they call them, PCR tests for COVID are specialized to any kind of COVID. As I understand it, okay,
1: Renee, as I understand it, and I'm subject to being corrected on this, as I understand it, the antigen test itself won't tell you, but it can be used... In what's known as genome sequencing, the information in the Nantigen test can be used by another lab to detect if it's Delta or not. So you may not be told whether you have Delta, but in many cases, these labs from what you give them can tell whether you have Delta. But, but a strong dose of skepticism is more than welcome here. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I don't know how the hospitals are uniformly, and in fact, I don't believe they are uniformly able or, in fact, engaged in this kind of counting. And I'll tell you, amongst anecdotal evidence I've heard from people who work at different hospitals, that's what they've explained to me. But I'll tell you how the New York Times put it. The New York Times, uh, two days ago, August 10th, put together – a pretty handy database actually and it's titled see the data on breakthrough covid hospitalizations and deaths by state so a breakthrough hospitalization or death is someone who's hospitalized or died with covid having been vaccinated that's what breakthrough means and it's really handy it's really and i'm going to come to it in a moment but if you scroll down to the fine print of this under the title methodology where the font is half the size of the rest of the story I'm just right. going to read you directly their fourth paragraph under methodology. Okay, just listen to this. It's only yeah. Yeah. it's only two sentences.
4: That's okay.
1: Some hospitalizations and death records lacked vaccine status altogether. Data for individuals who were not fully vaccinated include partially vaccinated people, unvaccinated people, and people with unknown vaccination status. What? What? So that they are counting. They us- are counting non-fully vaccinated the people right. with unknown vaccinations that, that, that they don't know whether they were vaccinated or not. So they just say, oh, we'll count them as unvaccinated.
4: So how is that any exactly right or looking at any kind of white papers or they're saying, oh, no, you can't count that because that's anecdotal. When you have these physicians that are saying, look, I've had patients that have had, been sick. And I've done this, this, and this, which is not a protocol that's shared by anybody. And I don't ever remember in the history of the U.S. where we didn't give a protocol for trying anything right up front when you get sick. I mean, heck, they have a flu. I think that's what it's called for when you get flu so that it reduces your symptoms right off the bat. If you don't get it right away, it doesn't really help you, is my understanding. I
1: do you? Yeah, no, I I, have, it's a different name. I know what you're talking about. But question yeah, for you. You're, you are told... Often, often that the vaccinated die at far lesser rates, that it's very small chance that you're going to die if you're vaccinated. How many times have you heard that?
4: All all the time. I mean, well, so on this New York Times
1: analysis, (laughs) on this New York Times analysis of of breakthrough deaths, Arizona has had 34 deaths from people with covid who have been vaccinated. Is that a little or a lot? I think it's a lot. Yeah, Michigan has had two hundred and twenty-three. I don't think it's a small number.
4: That's huge. If you're getting a vaccine, yeah, especially and you're being told you won't get sick
1: or die from it. Yeah.
4: Well, that's the thing. You look at the bars and you look at you compare the bars and what they are reporting, which I'm not sure I trust that. But you look at that, and that's more incidences of a very serious, uh, uh, I guess affliction. From taking a vaccine, if you combine all the vaccines we've ever taken in the U.S. history that we've been documenting symptoms or side effects of that, we're, like, blowing that away with just the COVID.
1: Oh, I'll, I'll do you one better. You add Michigan and New Jersey death rates, breakthrough death rates, just take two states, New Jersey and Michigan, people who have died but been vaccinated, died with COVID but been vaccinated. You take just those two states' numbers. And you have more than the entire country of people under the age of 20 who have died from COVID. Vaccinated, Vel non. We'll be right back. Thank you, Renee. It's what they play at the Institute for Infectious Diseases when Anthony Fauci walks into his office in the morning. No, it isn't. I'll close with this. I said it earlier. It's going to be a mantra, I can tell right now. This new book coming out, the uh, Hunter Gatherers Guide to the um, the Hunter Gatherers Guide to the 21st Century, by uh, Heather Haying and her husband. She was featured lefty professor at Evergreen State, no longer featured in the Adam Carolla Dennis Prager movie No Safe Spaces. She had to leave Evergreen State because she wouldn't not teach on a day she as a white person was asked not to teach because she was white. This new book, stealing childhood from the young by organizing and scheduling their play for them, by keeping them from risk and exploration, by controlling and sedating them with screens and algorithms and drugs practically guarantees that they will arrive at the age of adulthood without being capable of actually being adults. I've said it again and again and again. If we didn't have an adult problem, we wouldn't have a child problem. And when the adults try to convert, change, and destroy childhood they are converting, destroying, and changing a lot. A lot. And it makes no sense to me whatsoever why we all have to defer to speculation by some and dismiss the evidence of harms of those recommendations by others. That ain't science. It ain't medical science. It ain't natural science. It ain't physical science. And if it's political science, it's junk political science. The task of the political science, the political scientist, is to see things as they really are, Winston Churchill said. Right now, I'm afraid too many people are blind and purblind. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth and class dismissed.